FMX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Liat Re-Raceables podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Subscribe, tell a friend, and uh, really enjoy doing these, man. They're a lot of fun. So please, thanks to uh, you folks for listening. Thanks to Liat, Maxis, and Blenzol, all on board with us. We are doing Las Vegas 17, an epic two main events. Uh, incredible. I'm Steve Mathis. With me, to, as usual, to discuss this is the Weege, Jason Wygant. What's up, Weege? Yeah, I'm fired up. Dude. I'm fired up for this one. I mean, there are many great races. That is the whole point of this show that we're going to cover. But this one is what they invented the fire emoji for. As I wrote that night, or maybe it was Sunday morning, right. it was Vegas. It is the best hour of Supercross that there's ever been. To have two <laughs> titles be this dramatic in yep. the same night is unprecedented. And it's still pretty fresh. I mean, unfortunately, when we talk about races in the 80s, they're phenomenal. But half the people probably don't even know about those. Everybody... Everybody remembers this race. It's only four years ago. Yeah, it was it was amazing. There's so many subplots from the Anderson and Reed thing to Tomac to Dunge to Osborne to Jordan Smith to AC. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. So much yeah. stuff to talk about uh, and, and so much stuff that went down in Vegas in 2017. I was there in the press box. You were spotting for TV. And uh, so we each had a, a unique uh, a look at this thing. I want to thank the folks at Liat, whether it's the 5.5 flex slot boots, the 9.5 or 8.5 helmet, the 6.5 velocity goggles. The folks at Liat are doing a great job. Of course, uh, they've revised their neck brace over the years as well. So please check that out. Uh, they, they can fit you head to toe, including the Moto Concepts guys. All running Liat, as well as the uh, nuclear nuclear blast, uh, nuclear blast, yeah, nuclear, nuclear cowboys, nuclear blast, the, the, nuclear blast cowboys, yeah, yeah, those guys too, both of them, they're all running Liat. Uh, our buddy Wageman running Liat. Uh, velocity goggles, they're bulletproof; they can take impacts like no other. The six point five velocity goggles offer outstanding clarity in all conditions, featuring an easy clip-in lens that takes twenty seconds to replace, and, and includes permanent anti-fog, anti-scratch, and one hundred seventy-degree wide vision. Liat.com for more information on that. Chris Kiefer did the R and D on the five point five flex lot boot, which is really cool. And for twenty twenty one, they've got a completely redesigned helmet with the nine point five carbon and eight point five. Composite helmets uh, in- incorporated with four densities of impact foam in five locations, as well as a ProFit Comfort Liner. So big things are happening for the folks at Liat. We really appreciate them stepping up for this podcast. We have a couple of offers for you guys on this. One, if you want a discount from anything from Liat, use the contact form on pulpamex.com. Send us a, an email. Uh, tell us that you want to get a discount from the folks at Liat, and uh, we will pass that on, uh, a code to you, to save online with those guys. And Blenzol as well. We're going to give away some oil. Uh, contest at pulpamexshow.com. Contest at pulpamexshow.com. Just put Blenzol in the subject line, and uh, we're going to give uh, a lucky listener uh, some four-stroke or two-stroke oil, whatever you need from the folks at Blenzol. Because, of course, guys like Michael Lessi and many other guys, including um, Jerry Robin and Hunter Slager, all use Blenzol. Uh, Max's tire as well. A-Ray. 
I feel like he's going to – actually, he's in this main event. He's the 3-1-4 Honda rider in this main event. Oh. Yeah. Our awesome. Bo- our guy, A-Ray, Maxxis tires, of course. Uh, uh, Rod Bell, Smith, Jordan Jarvis, A-Ray, all using Maxxis tires. So, um, all right, Weed. So, set the stage for this, if you can, coming into this one. Because uh, it, it really starts back at East Rutherford. Yes, which is a race that I believe will inevitably also become part of this uh, Lee Atry Raceables podcast. Um, the 2017 New Jersey Supercross, this is what makes these two races so good, this one and New Jersey. It's known for two things. 2017 New Jersey Supercross has undoubtedly the best role of semifinals and LCQs in the history of Supercross. No doubt. Uh, Aaron Hansel put together a great Racer X Online feature. Uh, I think we called it Urban Rumble. Type it into your Googles and you can read about it. And also the main event in New Jersey is the infamous Marvin pulls over for Dunge yeah. on the last lap. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it is key, mm-hmm. not just for the points and how it affects the points. It's because Eli Tomac and Kawasaki are furious that KTM, in their opinion, used team tactics, which according to them, they interpret the rule book to say that is not allowed. I honestly, I, I, I honestly thought that thing was normal. <laughs> like, it's did happened. anyone think Marvin would just beat Dunge straight up and that was the way it was going to be? Well... The, the the pulling over for your teammate has happened twenty five to thirty times in motocross. It's been okay, accepted. That's my point. You know what I mean? It's been yes. accepted to, to do it late in the championship season. So right. yeah, for Kawasaki guys to be upset, uh, I don't really see it. I don't really get it. Um, you know, Marvin did exactly that. Just pulled over late, gave Dunge the win. You know, right. So, but to the Cowie guys, this was horrible, and it led to them either the team or or just the Tomac uh, family. Eli and his dad probably strategizing a way to, okay, if they're going to play a little different than just racing, so are we. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, look, we had this typical six days or seven days between races to come up with every scenario on earth. I give full credit, full marks to the Tomac camp for coming up with a very obvious way to try to improve your odds of winning the race that I don't think anyone saw coming in all the shows that we did, Review Pod, Moto 60, everything that week. Did anyone say, what if Tomac got the lead and then purposely held everybody up to try to shove people between him and Dunge? I don't think anyone saw it coming. It was the perfect crime. Yeah, I, I agree. It was uh, it was the best shot of a slim shot that he had to make it happen. Um, he actually takes a couple of runs at Dunge in Vegas 17. Uh, to make it to you know aggressively knock him down, and then he also bunches them up like he does a couple of things to to do it. Now my whole thing, and we I think we differed on this was like the bunching. If he bunches everybody up and slows down, and shout out to Josh Grant who had a great race by the way, Tomac's teammate, and Grant takes Dungey down in a in a block pass similar to something that we saw in the 250 main event, and Dungey goes to win the title, then it's all good. But if Tomac is cat and mousing Dunge, which he is doing, um, and then takes him down, there is no way, in my opinion, that this title would have stood for Eli Tomac. Nobody would have just shrugged their shoulders and went, oh, huh, that's pretty smart. Oh, well, all right. Let's just uh, congratulations, Eli Tomac. So I think that's where we, you and I differ. Not the bunching, but the letting him by and then taking runs at him, which happened twice. Well, uh, I think it was pretty calculated in Eli's part. Uh, our buddy JT always says at this level, any of these guys, if they want to take you out, they can take you out. And even though Eli is not the most aggro personality in the history of the sport, there have been times where he needed to serve up frontier justice and he served it up beautifully. 
So I don't agree because I feel like if Tomac wanted to take Dungy out, he would have taken him out. I think he knew if I take him out, now you're probably right, Steve. They're, now I'm going to get penalized. So I think he's like, I need to do everything I can within the realms of do not take him out. Right. So okay. I don't think yeah. any of the times he stood Dunge up, I think he was like, I'm going to let you catch me. I'm going to let everybody catch us. Then I'm going to slow you down mm-hmm. and let them pass you. And I'm going to do it two or three times, but I will not knock you down. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, if, it, if it had gotten to the point where he did do that, though. That's that's what I was getting at. Like what he yeah what he did was okay. I, I guess you're right. Yeah. we'll never know because I don't right. know. As we will talk to uh, Osborne himself about the 250 class, the precedent of pulling a title away from someone doesn't really exist. No, um, no. But I but I can't see just everyone going. Oh well, that was a great race. Congrats, <laughs> Eli Tomac. Just like in a corner. Oh well. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So that would have been super gnarly and interesting had that uh, gone down that way, but it didn't. Uh, we do have, as you said, we have Zach Osborne on the show, uh, the 250 uh, Supercross champion from that year, from an incredible, still talked about to this day, still amazing 250 main event. And we're also, we'll talk about that 450, still amazing, still talked about to this day, 450 yes. main event yes. uh, here on the show. Uh, we have categories as well. As always, we're going to have our categories at the end of the show to uh, to discuss uh, this race as well. So um, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's get into it. So all right, so let's start with 250s first. So uh, we're coming into this thing. It's an east-west shootout, Vegas 17. Osborne has won the most races. Uh, he's the fastest guy, but he has a uh, front flat or spokes in Detroit. I think it was spokes. I think, I think. it might have been spokes. So he lost yeah, a bunch of points there. Detroit, yeah, yep. had to pull yep. in, change the wheel. Geez, when you think about uh, Anderson spokes and you think about yeah. uh, Osborne spokes. Um and Joey Savacci's in this thing. So Jordan Smith comes into this. Savacci got a penalty in East Rutherford for, once again, a rider just picked his bike up and decided that he was not going to make the turn that he was going towards. He was just going to hang a right and jump back onto the track. So Joey got yeah. got fined for that, or dock points, which I totally agree with. We came into this race. Jordan Smith won up on Osborne and Savacci, and it was a winner take all. Yeah, and it was pretty up and down for all those guys. I think going into the season, Savachi was the clear favorite. He had been, compared to everyone in that uh, East group, he was by far the most successful guy um, up until that point in their career. 2016, he almost ripped the title away from Cooper Webb when Webb was hurt going into the finale. And Savachi, under pressure in Vegas, won big, won easy, and almost won the title. So it's like, Savachi's won races. He contended for titles before. Jordan Smith and Osborne had never even won a race. And you and I usually are of the theory, you you can't win the title in the first year you win a race. You yeah. have to take these steps. Yep. Lately, the 250 class has kind of blown that theory up, partially because of this season. Osborne does become the best guy. But Jordan Smith, finally, we always know he's been fast. He finally starts putting together consistency. He's really good. Mm-hmm. But to me, the nail in the coffin was the weekend before in New Jersey – because Osborne has had the bike problem, Savachi's been crashing all year. It's all mixed up. But in that New Jersey race, Osborne comes from behind, passes everybody, and I'm like, yeah, he's just the fastest guy this year. Right. So odds are, I think uh, he and Savachi are one point behind Jordan, but I'm like, you got to go with the guy that's fastest, and one point isn't a lot to overcome. So I really wasn't thinking it was going to turn out nearly as crazy. As it did. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, he had four wins to everybody else's one. And like you said, he put some great rides together. So you figure that he could get it done. But, hey, it was literally a winner. Like, you know, a, a you finish in front of me, 
and uh, and you win or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't it wasn't much math needed. You just had to be no, everybody. and and yeah. it's a shootout, right? right? So then we start thinking teammates and trivia. I actually had to remind myself when I went back and watched this race, <laughs> who was the champion in the West? Scholars will look back <laughs> at the 2017 West Coast Series and study it for years to find out how exactly Justin Hill won a championship. Put it together. Put it together. Put it together. Put everything together. Yeah, uh, it, yeah it'll be studied for years. Right. So uh, you have double stack of talent in yep. this race. So more guys are get in between. You've got a very capable teammate of Savacis who doesn't have to win because he's already clinched the title. Uh, Adam Cincerulo is also a very good teammate of a good rider, teammate of Savachi. So you're like, ah, Savachi might have some help. You know, the double right. stack of talent yep. definitely changes the dynamic when you have a shootout and the titles on the line. So the so it's it's uh, Ricky Carmichael uh, trackside and um, Ricky, better than Daniel Blair and Daniel Blair's job. Yeah, far yeah, superior, way yes. better. Um, yeah. uh, and it's Ralph Shaheen and Jeff Emig up in the booth. Um, First turn go, uh, race goes. First turn goes, and uh, huge pileup. And Zach Osborne is on the ground, and um, Savachi crashes early, and Jordan Smith is in prime spot to win this title. Um, Ralph says, "You can see Osborne is leaving his title behind as he lays on the ground." And literally being there, I mean, that was okay. Well, Osborne's done, right? Osborne's done, and, and now. Oh yeah, Joel- yeah. We're not making fun of Ralph for this. Uh, no, he was done. Yeah, there was no chance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. he, he was done and Jordan was out front. Uh, well, Savachi was and Savachi went down. Then Jordan was, uh, out, uh, leading the group. AC was leading the whole damn thing. Uh, Justin Hill was second. So we were set up nicely early on. Yes. And then, uh, Jordan Smith goes off the racetrack. Yes. And recovers. And Ralph wisely points out literally the three guys that have a shot at the title have all either crashed or gone off the track within about a lap yeah, yeah. of the race. So you talk about pressure. Yeah, absolutely, right? Um, so AC's got pretty much this thing in hand from start to finish. Uh, Hill is following him. His teammate's following him. And, again, jo- so then Jordan's up. Uh, is Jordan third or fourth? Something like that. And, dude, he eats it on the fastest part of the track. Separates, oh. Dislocates or separates his shoulder. DNF. It's Jordan Smith, everybody. He just couldn't quite hold it together for a whole series. Just about, though. Yeah, you know, and uh, Jordan and I uh, – uh, got pretty tight that year. He had some stories about, you know, he left the Geico Honda team and went to the Troy Lee Designs KTM team yep. and obviously got a lot better. And, uh, you know, he told me some stuff off the record. And then uh, in New Jersey, like I said, mm-hmm. Osborne just owned those guys. And what I didn't know was I think Jordan had had a big crash before that. So he was coming in to New Jersey not 100%. And then he crashed in Vegas. So, yeah, it is unfortunate that that is the Jordan Smith story far too often. He cannot string two or three months no, together it, it, without the crashes and it bit him at the wrong time. And it's still biting him. And yeah. it, I think the jury, RJ and Jordan Smith, RJ Hampshire and Jordan Smith basically forced their way off of Geico when they had existing deals. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think the jury is back. They've, they've deliberated. We each for a few years, they came back and yeah, it's on the riders. It's not really, it wasn't really Geico Honda. Yeah, Jordan had the last <laughs> laugh for a brief time, or not yeah. the last laugh, but he had the laugh going. When yes. he won, I think he, I think he won two races a season, and he could have easily won the title. That yeah. would have been an obvious C. Yeah. yeah, it was the team, right? But in the end, they've both had their uh, rough times. I mean, RJ was much improved last year. I felt leaving Geico, but in the end, but in the end, right? Yeah, no, in it's the just end, same RJ. Yeah, and in yeah. the end, it was same Jordan, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, you yeah. want to say about 
bikes, trainers, whatever, they both had contracts in hand and said, nah, I got to get out of here. So, yeah. Anyways. On the TV yeah. show, they don't catch um, the Jordan crash uh, instantly, no. but you hear this roar yeah. from the crowd. Yep. And then he's just laid out. And, uh, you know, there's a, I don't know if you remember this, there was a, there was a joke circulating um, maybe the next day or something that Jordan was actually seen, I think, at the poker table or something like that. Uh, late that night. Really? Do you remember this? No, I don't. No. Yeah, it was a couple of days later. I don't know if JT or somebody got the text and it kind of circulated the industry. Right. Like, yeah, so so there was Jordan uh, doing some gambling, and the joke was he's like, yeah, I'm just trying to make that 500 grand back that I lost. <laughs> Poor yeah. Jordan, man. Yeah. He was completely and totally and, within his grasp. And, dude, where did he crash? You know, on the worst part of the track, but also the easiest part of the track. Yeah, nobody you know, really crashes nope, there. Nobody really crashes there. I mean, Hepler's throttle sticks. Hits Millsaps, but you know, no, he- sorry, Millsaps throttle sticks. It takes off Hepler. Yes, but, yeah, yes. Um, anyways, uh, can we talk about Savachi? Okay, Savachi with the crashes. What the heck that year? The weirdo tip over crashes for Savachi that year. It happened like seventy five percent of the time. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it really was right. Uh, at some point, you know, the year before. Uh, so this isn't this is his second last year in two fifties, uh, Joey. Coming into 2018, Savachi has a ton of podiums and wins compared to everybody else in this class. Like he yeah. is, he is the guy when you look at yeah. stats, yeah. And, and and he never got it done. He just never ever got it done, and it was just weird stuff. It was uh, crashes, tip overs. It was just lethargic riding at times. Just you know, you can't ever quite pin it down. No, no, the talent, the the, the top end was right up there with anyone. Uh, like I, I feel like. Everyone always thinks of, say, Sin Cirillo as this unbelievable talent, right? But for the majority of their 250 career, when they were on the same team, Savachi won just as much, if not more. Mm. But it just doesn't seem that way. So Jordan's out. Osborne is 26 seconds back when he picks his bike up, right? Uh, Half a a track to go. Yeah. Um, what, What The funny thing for me, looking back on this race, is like, so Joey's third, I believe, Got this in hand, even after that early crash. He's third or fourth. And, dude, he starts moving back way earlier than I remember. Like, I remember him being up there and, you know, late in the race, really kind of folding. But really, and and maybe he, like, lets these guys go. I don't really know. Only he can answer. Like, maybe he's, like, he saw Jordan go down. Or maybe somehow he knew Osborne also went down. Or he saw him. You know, it's possible he saw him on the other side of the track, right? Because that was how far back Osborne was. Right. And and Joey gets zapped by, like, two or three guys right away. And now he's, if uh, AC wins, he needs to get 11th or better, I believe. um, Yep. With nobody else doing anything else. And he's in 7th. Which is still okay, but probably not, you know, exactly where you need to be. He's in seventh real fast. Yeah, that does lead to a good question. Because of the Osborne mm. block pass takeout at the end, that becomes the story. So Joey has talked about that and he has said, you know, I would have done the same thing. Right. But I don't know if I've ever said what was the deal with the rest of the main. And you're right. The question is, was he just riding Super safe and defensive. He had already crashed, yep. and he's like, "Yep, Osborne's behind me. Smith is out. If AC wins, all I have to do is get 11th. Was he just riding to get 11th? Yeah, yeah. Because, or was he just choking horribly? Well, dude, because that 7th to me, like, that's not good, right? Like, no. that's, that, that'll get you the title, but, dude, there's a bunch of dudes behind you. Like, yeah. No, and, again, it's East-West, so there's a lot more talent. Right. But 
the guys that end up being factors in this battle are dudes, half of them are guys I forgot even raced. Like, we're talking Hayden Melrose. I, I If you told me Dan Reardon was in this race, I would have said no, he wasn't. <laughs> Dan uh, Reardon finishes 13th. Savachi finishes 14th. Dan Reardon? I do not remember this at all. Yeah, I... So I you're not riding well if you're battling... No offense to Reardon and Melross. Yeah. But those are not guys that you should be having to battle to cling to points to win a title. No, no, absolutely not. And, and so Joey loses a lot of spots right away and kind of, but still has it in hand. Somehow Adam is only like two points back halfway through this main. I mean, it is not far off for Adam Cincerillo winning this title. No, and uh, I don't know if you remember this, but um, every year when a title's on the line, we have our guy Aaron Hansel at Racer X just go through the math of the title scenarios. And I give Hansel credit because he did decide, he realized that Cincerillo was not eliminated mathematically, so he bothered to run the math mm-hmm. on AC. And it said that same thing. Everybody's right. got to be out, and he and 11th or best for blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> see, I don't even remember. AC actually screenshot that paragraph, <laughs> sent it to us. And said, ha, 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 can you imagine? No, I don't remember. Like, really? Yes. Oh. Adam Cincerillo, out of nowhere, texts you and I with the screenshot of that saying, ha, 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 can you imagine? Like, why even bother? Yeah. The idea that all three guys, yes. none of them would finish in the top ten. And like eight minutes into the main, I'm like, this is going to happen. Yeah. 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 I, I was thinking the same thing because Joey had a bunch of guys behind him. Yeah. Uh, it, it didn't look, you know, he was it looked like he was riding okay, but you know, obviously he was thinking more and more about this title and what he needed to be and where he was and who was where and he was affecting his riding. Couple things. Shout out to Jimmy D, who he won a heat. At one point, Ralph's like, Jimmy, there's Dakotas. He won a heat earlier. Jimmy yeah. D won a stacked heat in the shootout. Good job. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Great point. This is. A heat race with every single West Rider. Like a main event. He, he won the main event. Yep, he yeah. won a main event, essentially. Yeah. Good job, Jimmy D. Yeah, yeah, really, right? And uh, a Ramit sighting. He had just gotten the Geico ride. <laughs> <laughs> Ramit was in I there. I didn't think Ramit was in this race either. Me neither. No, I would have thought Ramit was still uh, racing amateurs. But, yeah, the, the amateur Ramit was there. Cameron McAdoo, just a, a Vegas legend. Right, right. So, at some point, yeah, Ramit's in there. And, and oh, Chiz is in there. Yeah, Chiz on a two fifty. Chiz on a two fifty. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm like, oh, I see a number thirty, and I'm like, wait, Osborne does have a teammate. Who's that? Oh, it's Marty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, he has a teammate. Yeah, of it's course. Marty. Right, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, Fro doesn't bring up Emig doesn't bring up Osborne until two minutes to go. They kind of have a they have a picture in picture box, and all of a sudden they're they're on Osborne in like uh. 11th, 12th, somewhere around there. And they're like, wait a minute here. Yeah, but he a track, if you if you see that box in a box, if you watch this race on YouTube, it, he's at a completely different part of the racetrack. Yes. Um, than Joey. However, uh, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get on Fro and Ralph in this 250 race because I think they do a phenomenal job. Um, Ralph, who's no, obviously. I'm, yeah, I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying this is the first time no. like they're like, hey, two minutes to go. They're like, wait a minute. Look at this. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, now, so I'm uh, um, the TV spotter, which is a job that myself and JT have done many times. I don't think they've ever asked you, have they? Interesting. Interesting. They've never asked you. Interesting. They've never asked you to do it. Um, uh, after a while, I start doing the math. I, I've double-checked the Cincerulo 
Savachi math 700 times at this point because mm-hmm. I'm so afraid that I'm going to get it wrong. Uh, we've got that situated. And I'm like, the only thing left, Jordan Smith is out. The only thing left to look at is Osborne. And I start looking at the lap times, and I'm like, wait, he's going one and a half to two seconds faster than Savachi every lap. Mm-hmm. And then I look at the clock, and I'm like, wait, there's five or six laps to go. He's a straightaway and a half behind, but he will make up 12 seconds or so if this continues. So I start selling that. Like, I don't have a direct line to the announcers, but I can talk to our producer, Chris Bond, who I know right. really well because he's our – and I'm just like – if this keeps going, Osborne will get there. If this keeps going, Osborne will get there. I'm selling it hard. Right. It seems unfathomable because he's a straightaway and a half behind. Uh, but the math says two seconds a lap yeah. times six. Um, but, yeah, they. I, I don't want to say that I'm mad at the announcers for not bringing it up earlier because they do an excellent job in this main of selling the pressure and the drama. Uh, Ralph's been around a ton of these you know, big-time big yeah. events, and you can tell he understood the gravity of the moment and everything that was happening. And so Osborne's coming on, and, you know, Savachi gets Hayden Melross on the last lap. Like, he makes up a spot. So, yep. like, even – whoo, I got it, right? Maybe. Maybe yeah. maybe that's what he's thinking. And he has no idea that Osborne is that close at this point, right? He can't see him. So, I don't know. But Osborne makes up a second and a half on the last lap, it seems like. He makes up – especially coming back into the stadium. Got it. He makes yeah. up, like, half a second to three-quarters of a second right there. And now he's all over Savachi, and Joey gets Melross, so he's probably relaxing a little bit. Like, I got this one. And, dude, the pass happens. And yeah, it's I'm phenomenal. Just, I'm, I'm looking at lap 10 here. Osborne makes up two seconds on lap 10. He makes up uh, 1.8 on lap 11. He makes up 1.9 on lap 12. Uh, they're even on lap 13. Osborne gets held up because Mitchell Harrison. Mitchell Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> Mitchell Harrison will not be stopped. No. Is this star racing? I don't know. I vaguely remember this. Probably, yeah. Mitchell Harrison was on star racing. He passes Osborne back at one point. So that's not a good lap from Osborne. But then the next to last lap, Osborne makes up 2.4 seconds. Jeez, yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like... And again, dude, even as they're going to the white flag, he's still not that close. No, no. Even with that 2.4. He's not, and he t- makes up that second time. Uh, and makes up that time coming back in the stadium, and and then we we and all has to pass Mel Ross too, doesn't he? Yep. Yeah, he has to get Mel Ross too. Yep. Good lord. Uh, and then he goes for the pass, and he knocks Joey down, and he wins the championship, and it's a hotly disputed pass. Um, I'm I, as, as we've already done the Osborne interview, so we're going to drop that in here right away. But I, as I said, Osborne, I was in the press box, I could. I couldn't even type because I was shaking so much because I was it was um, the mo- most amazing thing I've ever seen in racing. Just about I had I had yeah. goosebumps. I, I was shaking. I couldn't believe what I saw. I didn't I I and obviously I'm a friend of Zacho, but I don't even think it was the fact that I was a friend of his and I was happy for him. I just think I, I could not believe what I saw. Honestly, it, no, it's amazing. No, exactly, it was just racing. Uh, it, it, whatever it was, we have never seen a title decided with a last lap block pass and from a guy also, who was down in the first turn. Yeah, yeah, from my first turn comeback. I don't think it mattered who the riders were. That's just too dramatic. I remember JT had for some somehow JT ended up down at the end of the press box. I was uh, spotting, and we just stood there, literally jaws dropped. Like we had no words. We just were staring at the track and then looking back at each other, and we're just stunned. Yeah, we had never, 
and probably never will see anything like that again. It, it, it was simply amazing. And, and Osborne joins the rank of fly champions like Jason Lawrence and Brandon Jessamine with that move. <laughs> the legends. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. JT's jaw is dropping maybe an extra couple millimeters. Yeah. But yeah. the fly bump. Uh, um, but what a what a race. What a pass. Um, nothing wrong with the pass, Weech, to me. Nothing no. wrong. No, no, for two reasons. A, uh, and again, we'll get into the Cowie guys. They weren't happy about it, just like they weren't happy about Marv moving over for Dunge the previous week. But in general, I feel um, when it is the last lap for a title, if there's any semblance of an opening and you don't go for it, to me, that's weird. You, you <laughs> right, right. Would be expect. I, I think reasonably you would be expected to do it. Yep. Second of all, the pass looks extra bad because Savachi gets whiskey throttle, as you've mentioned several times, I think even when we were breaking it down. Yeah. At that time. Yep. Um, the angle that they hit in the corner, it is not the dreaded um, head-on collision. No. You're you're going straight into the exit as the dude is coming out. Um, it has a somewhat natural angle to it. They hit side to side, which to me makes it even more not egregious, if that makes sense. Okay. In your opinion, we'll never know. Does Is Savachi choke? Does Osborne ride amazing? Does Savachi let up because he thinks he's got it? I think those are the three. And and two of them can be true for sure. They can all be true, actually. But the majority of this reason why this happens, what what do you think? I would love to say it's the miracle charge by Osborne because that's the Mm -hmm. Hollywood ending, the never say die. Uh, the pit board that is Mechanicus Dave Feeney is holding, which is still a sticker that they have on their semi truck to this day, the Never Say Die pit board. I would love to say that that's what it came down to, um, but he is not going to come from a first turn crash and catch him if Savachi doesn't screw this up. My guess would be that Savachi falls early and then goes sees Jordan is out and then goes into management mode, and then what do we hear over and over and over? You then start riding in a way that you never ride. Yeah. They never ride to not crash. And then I think that completely ruins him. And I think it does become a, a choke situation where now he's riding to not crash, not screw up, counting points. Where's this guy? Where's that guy? Where's AC? Yep. I don't even know where Osborne is. And I don't think any of these dudes can ride like that. And I think it leads to him losing all aggression, all speed, all pace. Yeah, um, Dude, he had 14-some minutes to like make it happen. And he just kept riding around. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was odd, and I guarantee you, when he got Melrose, Melrose, he was like, "Okay, got it, got it." You know what I mean? I don't know, maybe not. But one thing that would be interesting to know, because Osborne came from so far back, so late, I, I wonder if they, they even had a clue. Like, were they even? It's easy for me. I was the spotter for TV. I had multiple cameras, monitors, mm-hmm. and timing and scoring at my disposal. The mechanics don't even have that. So, did anyone know? Did Joey's mechanic or Joey even know that Osborne was a threat at any point? Yep. Or is it like four turns to go? Like, holy shit, what? Boy, you think about Mitch Payton at Vegas with Joey and with Adam losing the title and crashing out. But then you think about them sweeping the shootout with three of their guys all on a podium, dominating yeah. the shootout. Yeah. Some real highs and lows. Langston uh, breaking a wrist, right? Maybe costing him an outdoor title. Um, yeah, I think they had one year where they had the two champs and both of their bikes broke. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. Vegas, yeah. I think. yeah, yeah, they've had ups and downs. Ups in Vegas. and downs in Vegas. Uh, so yeah. thanks to the folks at Liat, Maxis, and Blenzol uh, for for sponsoring this thing. And uh, do you want to 
go right into our conversation with Osborne? Well, I'm going to ask you, what do you think it was? Uh, the Osborne unbelievable charge? Was it a choke? Was it t- riding too defensively? All for of Osavachi? it. What, what did All it? of it. All of oh, it. Oh, come on. You can't. <laughs> 33.3%. Blame. Oh, um, my God. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think you nailed it as usual. Uh, you got it right. I think that that's exactly it. Is none of Osborne's charge as great as it was? Doesn't happen with a lot of uh, cooperation from Joey Savacci. In, no, in, in many ways, Hayden Melross was a good rider, but if in the end you, it takes you to the last lap to get Hayden Melross for whatever it was seventh or eighth place, yeah. like that's just not good enough. And Jordan, and Jordan can look back on it too and be like, oh man. You know, I mean, it was early when he went out, but still, yeah. You know, he was he was well, fine. He he's gonna know. I mean, if you're Jordan, you're gonna say, "I already was ahead of Savachi, and he rode badly, and Osborne's not catching me." Yep. From even he would have to catch even five positions further up. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, if you're Jordan, you know you're gonna win that. Yeah. You probably replayed it one million times in your head. Uh, all right, let's go. Uh, let's go right into our conversation with the uh, the big winner of this night, uh, Zach Osborne here on the Elite Reracables. Now on the Elite Re-Raceables podcast, as promised off the top, the man who's, uh, I mean, his life changed uh, at Las Vegas 17 Supercross uh, main event. Zach Osborne. What's up, Zacho? Chilling, boss. How's it going? We're good. Thank you for doing this. Uh, an amazing race. I mean, the 450 thing, we won't even touch that one. Uh, listen, I-, I said this before. I don't really cheer for anybody in the sport. I mean, you, you and I are personal friends. Uh, we are personal friends. I, I like Adam Cirillo. I like Phil. I like Chiz. I want to see friends of mine do well. But I, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. And if you crash out or you win, either one, it doesn't matter to me as long as you're okay. I got to say, though, this race, I had the hairs on my arms standing up. I had goosebumps. I couldn't. I couldn't. I was tweeting for Racer X. I couldn't even really get a tweet out because I was shaking. I swear to God, Osborne. Imagine what you were feeling. Imagine what you were feeling. Well, that the funny thing about this race is it's one of those races where, you know, you see it in the movies and all that stuff where, like, people are just truly in the moment. And then, like, at the end, they kind of come to or wake up or, you know, it breaks. And that's exactly how it was. I really don't don't remember that much from the race. So this is going to be a little bit tough. You know, I've watched the race about a thousand times since then but um as far as like happenings during the race it's it was really just one of those times where i was deep in in the moment and um there was nothing really separating me from my very best race you know let's be fair though weege although you know they came in uh jordan was up by one coming in i believe yeah jordan Uh, was up by one after the penalty to savachi at um right New Jersey the weekend before. So, yeah, he had the red plate, and then me and Joey were tied on points, so one behind him. Let's be real, Weege. Uh, Osborne had won the most races and was the fastest guy. Yeah, the weekend before, Zach, do you remember that one? Because that was an amazing ride yeah, as well. that was one of my best races of my whole career. Um, I, I was fastest in both sessions, uh, won my heat race. I started, like, mid-pack, like 10th or 12th in the main passed for the lead and at seven minutes and it was just super easy for me you know um one of those definitely one of the best easiest races of my life right so going into this it's like hey one point but he was clearly faster than these guys just the week before and really yeah we were saying you were the fast guy all year you had that uh front wheel problem at detroit that really hurt but mm-hmm. it's like oh okay hey this race is just gonna go normal and if zach's the fastest guy he can make up one point um Maybe that was dumb 
uh, for us to just assume it would just go normally. What were you thinking? Were you super confident because, hey, I got these guys the week before? Or were you like, no, man, it's one race. Anything can happen. Well, it's one of those situations where, like, you can think that, you know, the easy thing's going to happen. Like, oh, I'm going to pull a whole shot and it's going to be (laughs) no big deal. I'll cruise to the end and it's going to be nothing. And then, like, in the very next 300 seconds, you think of, 300 different ways <laughs> that it could go the other way or some other scenario. So uh, it, it was tense. I mean, my wife would tell you on Friday, it was just, it was just like, we were both like balled up inside, you know? And um, yeah, just a, a, a crazy day altogether, really. I know you've hey, talked about this. Oh, go, go, go ahead. Steve. Go well, ahead. I know you've yep. talked about this a lot, uh, Osborne. So forgive us if some of these questions have been, have been asked before, but you fall down on the first turn. Uh, not, not, no fault of your own. You would have came out probably around fourth or fifth coming into it. Um, at that point, you're just like, it's done, right? It's done. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. I got up, I got up to just ride as hard as I could, you know, like right. my, I think my best championship before that was fourth. So I was like, oh, you know, like I got up and I was like, well, if I just ride as good as I can, I'll get third or even second in this championship. And that'll be my new personal best. You know, right, that, right. that was where I was at after after the Detroit thing and just kind of everything that had gone down to get me to that point, it was like, um, whatever, you know, I'm down I'm, I'm not even only down, I'm down forever. And like, I couldn't even see anyone for like, I don't know, five or six laps before, you know, I got to the first person. Yeah. Ralph is like, and he's Zach is down and he leaves his championship hopes there on the ground or something. (laughs) It's pretty funny. I mean, not coming down on Ralph. Yeah. Yeah comments on like throughout the race where it's just like yeah there's no hope yeah there's no hope yeah and then like i mean even on the last lap it was just when i came back into the stadium i still had so much ground to cover and i still had to pass mel ross and it was just like not happening you know right right hey uh um the first turn you get up i can't believe you're actually thinking well if i could just get fourth in the series that would be nice i cannot believe that but Obviously, the last couple laps, when it was starting to, it was still kind of out of reach, but maybe you had a last-ditch shot. Obviously, you were sending it. Were you sending it in every single lap, or were there a few laps of, yeah, it's over? Um, so, during the first five minutes of the race, I, I was watching the screen. I knew Adam was leading. Mm-hmm. I kind of could see that, you know, they all had the same gear on that night, so it's hard to distinguish him, Fortner, Hill. I knew Hill was in second because I'd seen him on the leaderboard. So I knew there was only like Fortner left, and I was kind of closing up on him. So I kind of had an an idea where the only other person on, you know, in that gear was. Right. So kind of like the middle five minutes, I was like, yeah, right. This is like, this is a pipe dream. And then the last five minutes, I was like, man, like, you know, we're going to get really close here, but it's just not going to be enough. Mm -hmm. And then um, I passed Harrison. I think that was with three laps to go. And I I still to this day, like I've even talked to him about it. Like, how did you how did you pass me back out there? (laughs) That's impossible. And he was like, oh, I just had a really good line. Like we discussed it in the truck before we went out and all this. I'm like, what? that's still just not possible and then i don't know if if you've watched the race recently or not but like on the on the lap that i passed him back when we're after the triple i went to that inside and rolled the double which like in hindsight i would should have just waited till the whoops or whatever but i almost like so close to pushing the front when i went up the face to like to roll uh, to block him yeah and 
then when I rolled that double, I was like, there it goes. Like you were going to be close and you're still going to be really close, but it's just not going to happen. So all this stuff's going through your mind. Yeah. It's, it's and, and, oh, yeah. and Hayden Melross and yeah, Mitchell Harrison play big roles or almost play big roles in this thing. Um, you know, watching it back with watching it back, which I did. And, and uh, I, I was there and I remembered, like, I remember thinking, okay, he's got a chance at this. He's got a chance. He's moving. He's catching. He's catching. Never really thinking you were going to do it, but there's a slim chance on TV though. When you watch it again, years from now, like with five minutes left, you're so out of it. You're so yeah. close. You have no with five minutes to go. There's just no way you're gonna do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You were 26 no. seconds down to start. You know. Well, actually, if you watch the the that part of it, like I never lost any time. I actually, gained a little bit of time. Yeah. On Adam, like once we got, you know, once the race actually got started, I had the I believe the fastest average lap of the race, um, you know, by myself, even with everything that I went through. So I did actually, you know, for a seventh place, I rode pretty much the race of my career, mm -hmm. um, especially at that point to, to get to where I did. Yeah. And we, I, uh, oh, go ahead. I was a spotter there for TV. So I'm using the lap times. And to be honest, I had like for a while you're making up a second. We weren't really paying attention to you. Let's be honest. Yeah. In those first five minutes, it's more what's uh Smith is in out. And then, honestly, a lot of the math was switching to, oh, man, if Savachi goes too far back, Sean Cerullo is actually going to win the title. But I did, and now I'm looking back at the lap times now, and I saw it as it was happening. I started to say, man, he's going yeah. a second or two faster than Savachi right now, and we're going to have six or seven laps. Dude, that's like 12 seconds that he will make up if it stays like this. And, again, I was screaming at them to – Hey, you might want to look at Osborne, um, and they occasionally show you. But, yeah, when you see it, the distance, it seems crazy, but it's just math. It's just two seconds a lap times five. You can come a long way. Yeah. And that's, like, really, really played out. Yeah, but, dude, like, I mean, you have to understand the, the crazy thing about it was, yeah, that's easy math at the time, but we were the best two guys in the series for the whole series. We had yeah. gone head-to-head -head at every race, been super close. So, like, to go two seconds a lap faster than your nearest competitor – it, it just doesn't seem right. You know, it's no. not like it, right. that happens you, very often. You know, no. it's, it seems like you make up a second at the end of the straightaway coming back in on that last lap. It seems like you just get right up on it. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, just massively either he lets off, you break hard, like something, you know, a little bit of both probably is the truth. Right. But even yeah. then I still had to pass Mel Ross to even get to him. And yeah. there was only three turns yeah. left. It's yeah. just, it's crazy. So the pass for the championship you know, it's again, it's it's debated on whatever side you want. Uh, Joey's dad was very upset at me for my take on it. Understandably, um, I think it was perfectly fine. It's for a championship. Everyone at Cali, everyone at Cali yeah, upset. Let's be honest. Right? Yeah, everyone at Kawasaki hated that pass. Now, Joey having some whiskey and setting the bike made it look way worse than you know that. That's a standard, maybe not standard supercross pass, but that's a that's a pass we've seen before. Um, you had to go. That was basically it, though, Zacho. That was your spot. Yeah, I yep. mean, I, I don't know what would have happened in the the last last corner. I, mm. There wasn't a lot of well, yeah. Was, that would have been there, he so. just would have hugged the inside and rolled it right? Uh, right. I, I would have had to have gone for like some kind of blatant weird yeah. takeout thing that would have probably taken us both <laughs> down and given AC the championship or yeah. You know who knows what would have happened, but there there was no opportunity after that one unless he like let yeah. off to celebrate down the straightaway or something, but. 
yeah, it, it, I mean, I did, at the first hoop section, I was like, yeah, this is still going to be short. I'm still not going to be close enough. And when I jumped the double in, I just remember being like, I'm going way too fast to hit these whoops right now. And somehow, <laughs> somehow it planed out. And like you hear on, on the TV, when I go into that turn before the last set of whoops, Ralph's like, he's there. And like, I, it doesn't really sh- do it justice on TV because when we land the trip, when he lands the triple, I'm taking off on the triple. And then when we go to the end of the whoop section, which is literally like a hundred, 120 mm-hmm. feet, I'm at his back wheel. I mean, it yep. was, it was crazy. So, yeah, I mean, I, I actually thought that I was going to get to get tighter to him before I passed him. Mm-hmm. You know, like I came, it, it looked really bad because I came kind of up into him, but we yeah. still hit, you know, side on side, which yeah. in my opinion is, is not that bad. You know, if I had hit him in the foot peg with my front wheel, that's one thing. But if you watch it, we kind of hits like hit sides and the, most of that like that first impact is because I actually thought that I was going to get to him sooner in the berm mm-hmm. and, and we would kind of bank off of each other. But yeah, it, it, it looked really bad on TV. And, you know, it was one of those things where there was a point where I was like, man, you know, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. And really, um, yeah, you were not, not like that. I regretted doing yeah, it, but yeah, yeah. it was, it's just hard, you know, like as much as my life changed, it changed someone else's life too, in, in a different mm-hmm. way. And, um, there was a time where I, I, I didn't struggle with it, but like, you know, what, what would someone else have done? And, and Joey has multiple times said that he would have done the exact same thing. You know, yep. it's, yep. it's a tough situation. Like, I feel like if, um, if you see the space and it's there, then you, yeah. you have to take it, you know? I mean, Weege, any problem on your end of that? I mean, I, I, at the time, at the time I, I thought that's perfectly fine. Uh, watching the replays at the race. I'm like, that's fine. Afterwards and all my shows, I'm like, yeah, that's that. That is a perfectly fine pass. Yeah, I never had an issue with it. I would think that most people would assume if you had the opening, and it, you kind of did, yeah. uh, that it would be crazy to not take it. However, I do know, I think we had discussed this at some point, maybe an interview or maybe just talking, that you did have a little bit of that conflict in your mind about it, and then eventually you did get a little bit of a fine. And then, hey, didn't they even warn you Didn't the next year? Like, they, there was some residual... Uh, carryover over this, which I thought was dumb because I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but there was like residual carryover from this, it seemed. Yeah. So, like the probation period that I was put on. Yeah. So, AC and I hit in practice at Indy mm-hmm. and we both got um, suspended probation, suspended fine, written warning, basically. That's how it works. You tore his, um, AC- you tore his ACL. Well, that's debatable, but no, so no, no, anyways, no, no, that's not debatable. You tore his ACL. Well, I mean, okay, that's debatable. <laughs> but so, uh, yeah, the next year, yeah. the in eighteen at the first race in Dallas, I get met on the starting line with the uh, before before the track walk with this notice that says, you know, this is your probationary period. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're keeping an eye on you, which kind you know kind of really hurt me in eighteen. Um, I feel like I could have won a couple more races in 18 had that little deal not happened because I was like so scared to pass someone. Right. And then like, lo and behold, the first lap of the first main event at Dallas, uh, Fortner turns down in a berm. I'm underneath him, smoke him. <laughs> yeah, he goes that's down. Right. I forgot I about that. Literally came down the, the straightaway, like by the mechanics area to Dave. And I'm like, yeah, we're, 
you know, I threw yeah. my hand up because I'm like definitely getting back black flagged right now. This is not good. <laughs> so, uh, what I'm yeah, into all this, Zacho, is I was wondering. So, Steve and I are planning on doing this show, and I'm like, I don't know if Zacho's going to want to do it. And Steve is like, why not? It's like the greatest moment of his career. Yeah, why wouldn't like, Zach talk about this? I, I just, re- I hadn't talked to you about this race in years. I just remember that 18 season like this pass from 17 kind of haunting you all year. And I was like, man, are we at the point where like the greatest thing ever, like so exciting and so awesome where you're like, oh man, I don't even want to talk about it. Did you, were you a little conflicted for a little while? Obviously you're past it now because you're on the show. No, it, it just made 18, the whole thing, the whole 17 season made the 18 season feel like anticlimactic. Like even the wins were just like, Oh wow, you know I won. You know I'm not, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to sound ungrateful yeah, at all yeah, because yeah. it. But like the emotional high of that 17 championship, I don't know that you can match it in racing. Like I don't know that there's another right. situation that I'll ever be in where it was just that tight. You know, like oh, yeah. I mean, literally hundreds of feet changed the state of my life forever and you know what's funny i'm gonna say what's interesting we look back now i'm watching this today now for the first time in a couple of years and now it's zach osborne who we know goes on to win the 250 title the next year in supercross and now you have a 450 title the last couple of years have been good for you so it almost changes the perspective of what it was at that time you know the first thing jenny taft says to you in your interview is you hadn't even won a race in your career <laughs> until this season jenny's on the so, verge of breaking down by the way jenny's on the, the verge of breaking really down was. she really was yes yeah yeah um i've never actually watched that interview because i you know i and i've seen i've read all the comments online like mm-hmm. oh what a fi- like what a fake thing to cry come like, on dude people say no, that yeah and, and i you can ask my wife to this day, like the next four days after the race, I didn't do anything. I didn't do any training, any riding. I, I literally was like so emotionally drained that I couldn't function almost. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like yeah. toast, like fried uh, from the pressure, the stress mm-hmm. of the season, like, you know, being my first season of wins and the, the kind of the stuff that comes with that. And then to have that thing cap it off was just like this massive, plug had been pulled out of my balloon and i was just like yeah um take us through right after the race so you you pull the move uh mcelrath says congratulations to you jimmy d comes by a couple of guys that you've known for a long time um is there any moment right after the the checkers where someone's like hey uh gallagher wants to see you or or hey ama's looking at this is there any moment where you're like we didn't win or maybe we didn't win anything like that uh yeah, once we got back to the truck, that set in pretty quick. Oh, okay, so yeah, um, you, you you like somebody said, hey, they're they're AMA's taking a look at this. Yeah, yeah. Um, my wife did actually. Okay. She was like, hey, like you know, there. I just heard that somebody's filing a, a formal protest. You need to get right. Bobby and Roger and go like see the AMA. So we were there for like two. I don't know, an hour or two hours, forever, and then um, yeah, the protest period expired. They filed a um a uh what do you call it uh appeal an appeal and um yeah oh so so there was a protest filed they lost the protest then they appealed right and um i mean that night i didn't go to sleep uh i found the race on youtube that night i watched it like i don't know five times or something (laughs) and uh didn't go to sleep just got up went to breakfast um with my family my dad and my mom and just everybody and then uh 
yeah, like four o'clock the next day. So I've been like, you know, on the highest high ever for like two hours. And then on this mass anxiety wagon for the next 14 hours. And, um, Jesus. (laughs) And yeah, at four o'clock the next day, they, they called and said, yeah, we're going to leave it as, as is you're going to pay a $7,500 fine. Right. Um, and that fine was so, so when we got the $2,500 suspended fine in Indy, Mm -hmm. um, that was no longer suspended. And then they doubled it for, the pass in Vegas, so it was twenty five hundred plus five thousand. Was that was how they came to the oh. to the seventy five hundred dollar fine? Oh, okay, all right. That yeah, that's how it worked out. I, I get that. So, did you when you were in there in the truck with Gallagher and they're they're showing the video? Are they like? Do you have a feeling you can keep it? Like it's not for sure until oh, four no. o'clock. But no, no, no. I was sure when we sat down within the first three minutes. I was like, yeah, this is. Oh no, no way! I'm gonna be oh wow! Yeah. Wait, um, really? I, yeah, no, for sure. Like when I sat down, I was like, this is, this is toast. Like, there's no way. Because at one point he said to me, like, you know, we could find you, but I don't think I could find you a hundred thousand dollars right now. And <laughs> the people would pe- be satisfied. And I was like, I was literally like, well, you can like, go for it. <laughs> I, I said that to him. I was like, just, just do it. Like, we'll right. see if it makes him happy. So yeah, there, there was a point where I was really, really nervous that it was just, not gonna happen like um everything that had happened that season with yeah with the team you know with the other team and stuff and um just kind of the way that the that it all laid was not looking good for me when we sat down in there oh wow okay so i didn't i didn't kind of know it was you had that kind of feeling like you know i mean obviously you're like ah they'll find me blah blah blah. i didn't think you you, yeah you actually thought hey this thing i could lose this thing so Yeah, yeah there there it was definitely i and I've told the story a million times. Like when we sat, when Bobby and I sat down, I was like, yeah, this is not okay. Like we are so fried. And, <laughs> and I left and I was like, I was almost in tears because, you know, it, I was sure that they were going to take it. And Bobby was like, oh no, bud, don't worry. We got this. And I was like, I'm glad you believe it because I don't. Right, right. Wow. Wow. I mean, look, there's very little precedent of a block pass leading to a, re, uh, a removal of positions. I guess points every once in a while. I guess that's what it would have been. Like they take five points away or something. There's very little precedent. There's just no way. To, there's no way but to that cost. Also, would have been enough, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I think I won by two points, right. didn't I? Yeah. And how, and, right. So that's what you're worried. They were going to penalize you a couple of points, and that would have been enough. I, I just feel well, like. Yeah, it never happened before ever, and you're gonna Look, do it now. It's not happening for the. Deco- it's not gonna happen at DeCosta. <laughs> and not- it's, like, it's like the, the <laughs> age old rule that we always say. It's like moves way worse than that go down in both LCQs yes. every single weekend, like without yeah. chance, oh, know, yeah. without a doubt. But oh, it was sure. just the situation huh. and the the time frame and everything that was for that. I will pass, say the uh, pass. How mad the other side was. The pass, <laughs> yeah, Osborne. This pass led to some of our greatest podcast moments because someone at Kawasaki told us i'm going to petition the ama with two laps to go it's not instead of a, instead of a two-lap board it'll be a uh, <laughs> skull and crossbones flag like a pirate and just anything can go and we and we and i love that idea we think it's great skull and crossbones and it just means there's no penalties anybody it's like the purge out on the track yeah. so you know so it did lead to that moment where wygan and i thought that was hilarious so. it's still a huge uh, a, a huge joke between us i mean right. uh, <laughs> We're still waiting on the flag. Yeah, skull and crossbones. It was great. So, uh, hey, by the way, um, you said how nervous you were, even say Friday. Um, 
I've talked to Dunge about his week leading up to the race, and on this show we're going to be covering the crazy 450 race also. Uh, he says he had like a huge crash like a few days before this, and he basically saw his like life flash before his eyes because he thought he was not even going to be able to race. Did you know about that? Were you there? Yeah. You guys are riding no, it was only me and him that day. Oh, um, no. It was <laughs> Thursday. It was a Thursday before or the Wednesday because I think we rode on Wednesday that week because we had press. Uh, we were doing our last moto and um, something happened to his bike. There was a three on off and then triple out of the rhythm lane and his bike quit on the off and he endowed out of the lane. Oh. Massive crash, huge meltdown. Like it wasn't good. Like, I, you know. And he had had some some weird issues that year, but I kind of felt like that was the moment that that did it for him. You know that he right. was like, "Yeah, I'm over this." Wow. Yeah. 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 So what I was getting at yeah. it is, so you're you like you said, you can imagine getting the whole shot and being easy, and then you can come up with the other scenarios that are bad, and you just saw one right in front of you. That doesn't. Yeah, help. literally, he literally was right in front of me too. And I mean, we it wasn't close for me to crash with him, but. I was starting the lane when he was ending the lane. So I saw it all happen and I was able to, to stop, but it was really close to, he wasn't, you know, wasn't even there, didn't get to race or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I said, adding to the tension of, if you want an example of how this could go badly, there you go. Just, yeah. But that, you know, that's just the, the, that's one thing I wish that there was more of in our sport that, you know, stuff like that was visible to people. And I think that that would, kind of change the scope of how people see uh us as personalities and the decisions we make as racers and you know just kind of all that stuff i wish that you could see that week to week stuff a little bit more yeah but it's just i don't know it's the world we live in i guess yeah wow what a what a race what a night yeah uh yeah basically the uh the last say two laps there is that it's hard to say. Is that like the fastest you've gone? Is that the best you've ridden? Can you put it in those kind of terms at all? Is there any way to compare it? Well, I mean, like I said at the beginning, the the race for me, once I got up, there was no pressure, right? Mm-hmm. There was zero pressure. Like it was all gone. So I just kind of switched off and it was you know, as strange as it sounds or whatever, but it was mostly just muscle memory at that point. Like I was literally – peak peak physical condition i was not tired my brain uh, there was no inhibition like nothing inhibiting me to not do something or make a decision it was just so automatic to me that night from the time i got up from the first corner until the checkered flag flew it was just like absolute you know peak me i guess you would say yeah it it, i i agree It, it it the hard the track you know prohibited really hard pushing right it's typical vegas it's just you just can't go balls out but uh man it, it looked like you were pushing that, that was for that was for sure um out there yeah and and hard pack is has always been like sort of my weakness and vegas i i before that night i had never had any well i can't say that the the year before 16 in the mud i fell in the first turn and got second i was only like a couple seconds behind joey to win that race um from from falling in the first turn so that kind of set things in the right direction with vegas i guess but prior to that i'd had zero luck there like monster cups and all that stuff i had just never done anything at vegas and uh yeah that that night kind of changed it all unbelievable um anything else Weege? no i mean this is just awesome and uh it really is you summed it up you said the word movie i mean that's pretty much the way it is i understand why you don't want to watch your interview but to me that's like exactly what you 
what you want. I cannot believe that people would say that's fake. <laughs> the, I, I would have been angry if you were not emotional. Like, please put the exclamation point on it. So that's so dumb. Yeah. That you're getting ripped off on that. Yeah, I have. I've read that plenty of times. Uh, you know, on comments on the the video or whatever. You know, when mm. people post stuff about it. But yeah, it, it, I mean, it's just raw. I mean, that's that's as, as raw as it gets for me. I, I don't really. I wouldn't say that I'm super emotional, but uh, I definitely have a soft side. But that was just that wasn't even my soft side. That was just a lot of years of a lot of work and a lot of weird um, happenings to get me to that point, you know, and and it all just kind of poured out right there on the starting line. If I had won over half a million dollars, I'd probably be balling too, Zacho. Don't worry. (laughs) So I'd be the same way. Trust me. (laughs) It's it's just that thing which Jenny puts in perspective that you know again we know you now four or five seasons later as a guy that wins races a lot and titles a lot but that no. wasn't the case in seventeen you had not won a Supercross no. until that season that was like hey the Geico thing didn't really work out is this gonna do it for Zach you know what I mean uh, who knows right like yeah for sure right so yeah I was on the verge of real real <laughs> success as well in sixteen um, there's a couple races. Uh, that come straight to mind, like San Diego two, I think it was, uh, I led for like 12 laps, Coop passed me and I fell with two to go. Um, Santa Clara, I led for like 13 laps and he passed me with two to go. We talk about that race often. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it was one of those things where I was really close. So, so, so many times in my career and, um, to finally win and then to win a championship like that was just, it was, crazy i'll never forget it and i was just watching it so uh you know what i mean like absolutely yeah. uh phenomenal so lee at re-raceables um thanks to uh Blenzol and uh, of course the folks at uh, maxis as well um Weege, anything else for Oslo? uh thanks for putting on a show i yeah. mean it was the best hour of supercross ever to me when you combine your race there the 250s with the 450 main that was coming up next by the way i'm, I'm assuming you didn't even you're a racing fan through and through, but I, I assume you're a little too busy to have, uh, know what the heck was going on in the 450 main 20 minutes later. No, actually, I walked up um, like mid-main uh, to the press box where the press conference was going to be oh. and watched the main. And then I remember that it just started pouring rain after the main there. Do, do you remember that? Oh, I don't remember that. I don't yes, either. Yeah. Oddly, no. it, was, wow. it rained after the main for a little while. And wow. uh, super weird. I, I don't. I don't know why I remember that, but yeah, right. crazy. Cool. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the time, Zacho. Yep. No problem. Thanks, boys. All right. All right. Thanks to Zacho for coming on, and uh, Jason Wygant. Um, yeah. You know. Again, very angry. We heard the process of Zacho tell us the process of what happened afterwards. Very angry from the Kawasaki folks, and it would just get worse after the 450 main for sure. Um, but dude, yeah, I did not know. We know Zach pretty well. He's at a press conference, everything. I did not know that he had at one point convinced himself he will not keep this title. Yeah. Did you know that? No, I didn't. No, no, I didn't. Yeah. Wow. But, but, but I, I, again, I, you know, I've seen a lot of shitty passes. That was fine. So I don't really know what they could have done. I really don't know what they could have done there, you know? Um, yeah. But, but, uh, yeah, but yeah. The argument yeah, been. I don't know what the argument would have been. It's a side on side pass, right? So, um, yeah, absolutely. What a, what a crazy night. Um, Jenny Taft is very emotional interviewing Zacho. Yes. Zacho's emotional. You know, McElrath pulls over to say hi to him or thank him. Jimmy D comes over. Oh, man. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So Jenny Taft is now super duper big time. 
Um, she's one of the hostess hostess for the uh, Fox Sports Show, one of the sports debate argument shows where they talk about you know the biggest stars in sports. Right? They talk about the biggest games. Yep. This is talking Tom Brady and LeBron James on a daily basis. I forgot that she got this emotional with this Osborne pass. That's pretty cool to me because in like 30 or 40 years when Jenny Taft like retires, it's going to be like she had this brief three or four years where she did this dirt bike thing. Yeah. But I'm like, no, no, she's going to remember that. That's going to be right there with any Super Bowl, any NBA finals, any World Series, any, dare I say, Stanley Cup. Oh, yes, please. There is no way that she won't be like, well, actually, one of the best things I ever saw was this dirt bike race. Because it seemed like she was almost crying of, yeah. like, just the craziness. Yeah, absolutely. hundred uh, percent. So um, so as crazy as that was, and I was up in the press box and you were spotting, the 450 main uh, got even nuttier. First, though, thanks to Liet and uh, Maxis and uh, Blenzall, of course. Uh, Weed, you want to play a little trivia game? What, Love trivia, man. What does former factory rider Michael Lessie, Jerry Robin – and Hunter Slosher all have in common? Uh, LCQ Warfare? Well, that actually is pretty good. Um, okay. No, they all choose Blenzol. That's right. The number one brand when it comes to two-stroke oil. Oh. Also has top-level riders using Blenzol four-stroke stuff. So make no mistake, nothing outperforms, outlubricates, or smells better than Blenzol's full line of two-stroke and four-stroke products. Jerry even ran like a massive Blenzol logo uh, on his on his gear a couple rounds ago. Look, I was just at Club MX yesterday, and it's there. Um, Dylan Wright is training down there now. Oh yeah, um, yeah, Canadian. Canada's yeah, Canada's national champ. So we we're all talking about different things and with Phil and stuff, and that of course led to talking about Michael Lessie. And the one thing that everyone agrees on: there are many Michael Lessie stories, and we did have some laughs. But the Alessies do not ever leave anything on the table. Like they are sweating every detail. So I'm going to say that the oil that Michael Lessie is using. It's probably good. And also, remember our buddy Walker Fowler? He's the yes. quad god, right? Yes, number one. Well, I guess he had a streak at the GNCC season opener six years in a row. I guess he had some sort of streak. I, I don't know. I'm sure mm-hmm. it was. Six years in a row, won the opener, yep. Streak of wearing his jersey at the opener or something. Um, but guess who uh, Guess who broke it? Oh, I know. It's Bryson Neal. And here's why. You know why Bryson Neal won round one? No. He switched to Blenzall. Oh. won the opener. Oh, yeah. It was at the Blenzol switch. Oh, wow. That's all it took. Is he Blue Crew? Bryson Neal? Uh, it's hard to tell. I think he's on a Yamaha, but I believe okay. he's white. All right. Well, yeah. great job, Bryson Neal. Blenzol zone. Uh, go to their website to look at their full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, blenzol.com. Like I said, we're going to give away a sample pack here on the re-raceables from Liat. Uh, email contest at pulpmexshow.com. Just put blends all in the subject line. We'll take a lucky listener, and uh, you'll get a, either a four-stroke kit or a two-stroke kit um, over at, uh, at from folks at Blends All. So thanks for those guys for coming on board. Uh, really fun podcast to do, and Weege and I are having a great time doing it. Um, all right, so. Max's as, tires, man. Max's tires. Max's tires, too, yeah. Hey, there are Max's tires stock shod on my kid's uh, KTM SX E5. Yeah. And uh, we went, we need to get riding time in regardless. And the last two times we went riding, it rained, and we just rode anyway. Max's tires, man, hooking up. And also, by the way, uh, Max's comes standard on gas gases. Stock tire. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. What do you think about that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Big time. Um, as nutty as that 250 main was, the 450 main – Again, we said it at the beginning of the show. Marv pulls over, gives Dunge uh, uh, three points. The gap is, what, nine coming in? 
think it's nine. Yeah, I think so. Nine coming in. <laughs> um, Cowboys mad. Everybody's upset. Uh, gate drops uh, for this race, and it is uh, it's a good race. And Dunge gets a whole shot. And really, like if you're Dunge, it's interesting because look, he had he hadn't had the speed all year that Tomac had had. There's no debate, no debating that. Uh, Eli's crash at Foxborough while leading is really the pivotal point in the series. Uh, the week New before Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yep, yep. Um, yep. Because he just can't get going after the crash. It's the weirdest thing ever. He's just stuck in like twelfth. Can't do anything. Yeah, I happened to go back and watch that one recently, uh, also. And yeah, the the fact that he at one point gets up to his teammate Josh Grant and then makes a mistake and Grant leaves him. Yeah. Uh, he can't yeah. even get his teammate in a in a very important situation. Yeah, it's one of the all time mystery races, um, which unfortunately. Kana has come to define Tomac's career. He, he's gotten rid of a lot of it now that he won a Supercross title, but mm-hmm. that New Jersey race, we will definitely be doing a show about that someday. Yeah, so, you know, when Dunge is out front here, like, obviously, a few years ago, Dunge would have just rode off with this thing, grabbed the win and the check and the the, the championship and, and, you know, ridden off in the sunset with, the, with his hot-ass smoking wife. But this year, I remember thinking, like, he's got problems because Tomac got in the second right away. Yeah, and as long as it's not the last 12 laps of the main from New Jersey, Tomac, yeah, yeah. like you said, Tomac has had the speed edge in every race since round four uh, that season, almost regardless of track. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had, before the New Jersey race, didn't Tomac basically come from like 18th to 1st or something like that? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, so there's just no doubt that he's just a faster guy, um, let alone the fact that Dungey doesn't even have to win the race. So yeah, you're just like, well... The only thing we've got is if Tomac is able to catch him, and that's very likely, mm-hmm. will he? Will he? What try will to he knock do? Him down? Yeah, because we didn't remember. We didn't talk about the bunching. That didn't come I, to I mind. I didn't right. see it coming. I didn't hear. If I hear a single person said say that they thought that maybe Tomac would do that, I'm calling them a liar. Nobody, uh, nobody uh, had the theory. JT will tell you he had the theory. 100%. Oh, stop it. He will. Um, no. So D- D- uh, Tomac catches him, takes a light shot at him. Nothing bad. And takes off. And yeah. really, this is where uh, 8 out of 10 title chances happen, or 8 out of 10 title clinching rides happen, where the guy does the guy that doesn't need to win doesn't win, and the guy that does win comes through and wins, but that's it. That's all you can do, right? It's over. That's what we all thought. There it is. Three points, but that's not enough. Yeah, and uh, also, Tomac was going to <laughs> whatever. I don't know why you'd want this. But he would have the record for most wins of a guy to not win the title. Yeah. If he goes on and wins this race, which to me is a very dubious honor. Shout that out to Damon Bradshaw. Super- <laughs> he would erase that. Yep. Uh, from from Damon, but I don't really think Tomac was motivated for that. I mean, race wins are always nice, right? It's yep. always a nice bonus. Yep. Uh, but I, yes, I think at that point, everybody's like, "Well, Tomac's yep. going to win the race." Tom- uh, Dunge will get second. Also, yeah, Dunge will get second because also another huge problem now that we already saw that Marvis is even willing to move over to help Dunge. There are so many KTM and Husky guys on the track. Yeah. Who's even going to pass him? Well, Anderson's in the mix. Baggett's up there. Uh, we, yep. And we know now from people that have been around those two guys that, you know, Ian Harrison or Roger DeCoster uh, spoke to all these guys and said, you know, help us win. We need, if, we, if you can do it, help us win, right? So this was already communicated to the guys. And Husky and Baggett, who rides for the Rocky Mountain team, they all knew that going in. Um, yeah, there's a brief time. Tomac makes the pass on Dunge, and Baggett is there with Dunge in second, third. 
and I feel like you can almost visibly see Baggett go slow in a corner. Like, I'm not passing right. Dunge under any yep. circumstances. Yep. And so Dunge has yep. a nice buffer, and they, what we thought was going to happen is just, you know, again, what, what would happen in 8 out of 10 <laughs> title scenarios, except <laughs> Tomac does uh, three 105s in a row, sets his fastest lap of the race on lap 6 at a 105.2. Dunge yep. is 106. Pulling away. Pulling away. Mm-hmm. And then the fittest man in the sport, um, the animal, the guy who's won all these races this year, uh, all of a sudden starts doing 107, 108, 107, 109. Um, and Dunge catches him. And th- here's where shit goes sideways on the broadcast. And, and I, like, I like Ralph and I like Fro and I like Ricky and everything else. They were crediting Dunge for this charge. And I heard about this after the race and I'm like, stop it. That's not really what happened. And they're like, that's what they were saying. And I'm like, oh, my God. So then I watched it the next day, and yeah, Weech, it's – I don't – I blame the spotter myself. I blame the spotter. Oh, stop it. I blame the spotter. I can tell you the spotter was screaming. <laughs> Again, I have the lap times. You said like, – the ones you just said. Yeah. Tomac goes from 105s to 107s. It's not inexplicable. And a 108. Like, Wait a minute. Wait a yeah. minute. He's yeah. – I'm like, Tomac's going slow on purpose. Something's up. Like – Again, since round four of the series, Dungey has not been faster than Tomac. There is no chance that he's just all of a sudden going to just start reeling him in after Eli has already caught and passed and left him earlier in the very same race. I mean, he puts a couple seconds on him right away. Yes. Yeah, he is toying with him, and I'm like, he's doing something. I don't know if he's setting him up to hit him again. Right. And he's like... I'm like, maybe Eli was trying to take him out, and when he hit him the first time, he's like, darn it, I didn't finish him off. Right. i got to try it again. I yep. still didn't realize it was the bunching plan, but I absolutely for sure realized yep. Tomac was up to something, and I was selling it hard. And I'm like, tell the announcers, he's going two seconds a lap slower. Tell them, it's two seconds a lap slower. He's going slower than Dungey. Well, that information either got ignored or never made it to the, to the announcers. I, I assure you. I, I assure I, you of that. It is... Yeah, I like those guys too. And remember, I just said they did an excellent job in the 250 race. So this is not, you know, I just criticize them all the time. Um, I very rarely actually say anything yeah, bad about yeah, Ralph yeah, Jeffs. Yeah, you're fair. Fair. Yes. But to me, it is criminal that to me, Dun- uh, uh, Tomac really puts a masterful plan together. And one of the most well-executed racecraft main events I've ever seen. He almost, this almost impossible task. He comes within 2 or 3% of pulling it off. He almost gets Dungey to finish. Yeah. Dungey has to finish like fifth, which they said Dungey is not done in the last in, in, yeah. 51 <laughs> right, races. Right, right, And Tomac almost pulls it off. And for the announcers to make it sound like Tomac is making mistakes and not riding well under pressure. a heroic and charge. putting an amazing charge. To me, that's really unfair to Tomac. It, I mean, I was at the race. I saw what was going on as plain as day, as you did, yes. as many people did. How yes. how the guys in the booth thought that this was just a charge by Dunge is mind blowing. Uh, you can I, I just with all the evidence that you just said, I I cannot fathom no. why they'd and be like, the hey, on the Sunday is Tomac in the press conference after the race immediately admits it. Yes the very first thing he says yeah yeah um at one point the 22 who chad reed who went home this year and we all know that he went home 
and was embraced by Yamaha and it went very smoothly and he went on to ride for them for a few more years and then you know managed them. Yes. Oh wait, no, none of that happened. No, no, he blew he burned that bridge too. Yeah, yeah, no wait, wait, that 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 didn't happen. He he went home, he made the first podium of the, the second race of the year and said, "Yamaha finally gave me what I wanted." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So so okay, all right, I got that straight. Um Yeah. And in the rest of the year he's not good. Right. So at one point they say Chad has only made one podium way back at the Glendale round. He's pulling two seconds a lap on Tomac. <laughs> like, come on. Like, where does Chad get these? This all of a sudden, the speed from that we hadn't seen for four months. <laughs> all I can gather is the the Tomac East Rutherford race from the previous week. Yeah. was dissected and and analyzed to such a degree. Yep. It was so incredibly branded as a choker in the seven days leaving, leading up to this race that I think it was like the die had been cast. That like if anything starts seeing weird, looking weird for Tomac, it was like they had already decided it had to be Tomac screwing up because we had just spent seven days talking about how badly he screwed up. That's the only thing I could possibly think of that would lead them to think that suddenly Chad Reed and Dunge and Anderson and Baggett Josh Grant. And Marv. And Grant. <laughs> Marv are just catching him. Now, I don't know if you remember, after the New Jersey race on the podcast we did after that, you're like, this points lead for Dunge, it's insurmountable. You're like, what are we going to see? A race where we're like, it's Reed, it's Baggett, it's Grant. They're all close to the gap. <laughs> right, we yeah. joked about that. Yeah. I don't remember <laughs> that, but happened. yeah, but it actually happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. I, I do think... Um, I do think Tomac screws up that quad, though, not on purpose, that one lap. I do think he's... Yeah, because Anderson almost passes him a few times, which I don't think was yeah, Tomac's plan to get passed by Anderson. Right. I think I think he got some wheel spin and had to back out of it. And yeah. and so I do think that was a mistake, you know what I mean? And then he was like, oh, shit. And then he you know got back on it. But but other than that, I mean, it's obvious he's not doubling out of a turn. He's t- that's, that, that slow turn before you go out of the stadium, he's like basically walking around that inside. Oh, so like slow. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's It's... And okay, so okay, the the Jersey round was odd and was weird that he fell while leading and then rode around in twelfth or whatever he ended up getting. Yeah, I, I'll give you that. But it was muddy, it was ruddy. Okay, he didn't feel comfortable. So I'll give you that he choked in New Jersey. Okay, I'm not sold, but I'll give you that one. But at this point, he passed Dunge and took off. So yeah, how is he going to choke? He's already I, done all. Yeah. The, he's done all the hard work. Right, right. I don't see how you can be fantastic for the first five yes, laps, yes, not yeah, crash, not right. tip over, not be in traffic, right. and then like, just suddenly lose it. We just talked about the 250s. Joey was never fantastic. No. <laughs> he no. was never fantastic. Like, there's no, an example of a guy. Right. Immediately. Right. Um, and then it becomes even more obvious because Dunge catches him. And I think at that point, Dunge, yeah. maybe Dunge even believes, like, oh, I guess I'm just catching the guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then Dunge passes him. Passes him, yep. Yep. And then... It becomes but, obvious okay. what the plan is. Dunge passes him, right? And you can see Dunge is like on it, right? How yeah. fast does Tomac make up that little bit of ground to get Dunge right back right away? It That's is, scary how fast it he is. Gets. Right. Yes. It is incredible. <laughs> I've thought about this a million times. Speaking of riding with my kid when he's with the Maxxis tires, mm-hmm. like I, I ride a, like a TTR 110 when I'm riding with him to make it like so we can like battle, so to speak. Right. But it's the same thing. Like he's six, dude. Like I can on the TTR one ten, I can make up ground at any time. Yeah, right. Anytime you want, I can right. I can toy with it. I can give him the lead. I can let him go inside. 
to think that Eli is so fast yep. that he can just choose to go to 80%, let Ryan Dungey, one of the all-time greats, pass him, and then be like, yeah, just give me 100 feet, and yeah, I'll yep. just catch right back up to right him. Right back up to him, and then I'm going to slam him again. And Dunge locks up the brakes. You know, I think he, I don't know, he yeah. stalls it, but he locks up the brakes. He goes high in the berm. Uh, so I think he goes off the track. So Yeah, it goes off the track, right. Sorry, yeah, yeah. it goes off the track. Uh, so takeout right. number, th- was that three? Two, two or three? That was, that was two at that point. Number two, yeah. uh, unsuccessful for Eli Tomac. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and- but again, I feel like he didn't want those to be successful. It's like I got to hit him and I got to slow him down, yeah, yeah. but I cannot knock him down. Right, right. Yeah, 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 maybe, yeah. But, um, yeah. But, it, it, but now at this point, here's where it changes to me because now Dunge at one point maybe was like, I'm not sure what's going on. Maybe I'm just catching him. <laughs> but now Dunge has to Yeah, know. Yeah, now he's like, oh, wait. <laughs> right. So and, I can't imagine Dungey the final half of the race knowing, like, this dude is going slow on purpose, but I can't pass him because if I get next to him, he's going to hit me. Right. And let's be honest, that's not really Dungey's game. No, no, not not really good. Uh, shout out to Josh Grant. Rode really well, by the way, right yep. in the mix. Uh, yep. If he could have got a little closer, it could have got really interesting with JG, who's who is playing known for that game, can play that game. Very much so? Yes, yes. Ryan Dungey's <laughs> career is superior to Josh Grant, but if it comes down to who might be able to make the block pass, yeah. you're putting your money on Grant. Right, right, right. And Dunge not knowing how to defend himself. Yes, absolutely. So Grant could have really gotten things done. Uh, yeah. Chad gets into the mix, gets by Jason Anderson, and then Anderson just takes him straight before the finish. Just, I'm going to knock you down. That's it. Well, yeah, I'm wondering that one. So there was heat, remember? God, there was so much in 2017. God. Yeah, yeah. So there was that race a couple of weeks earlier. Was it St. Louis? The Chad uh, as the mm, lapper? Yeah, I think it was St. Louis. Louis. I think it was, yeah. It was St. Louis, where Chad, as a lapper, uh, Dunge had said some comments about him in the heat race, I think, right? I, <laughs> I think don't that's know. what it was. It, it was a terrible look for Chad Reed, I'll tell you that. Yes, I believe in the heat race, Dunge felt like Chad was riding him rough, and then Dunge said something about it, and then Chad, yes, terrible look in the main, kind of purposely slows up Dunge. Yeah, gets fined. Chad gets fined. Oh, he does get fined yeah. for it, huh? Yeah, he got fined, yeah. Now, we saw uh, Seattle was the next race after that, and it was typical Seattle. All practices rained out. So we were all hanging out at the stadium with nothing to do all day, and the big hubbub was that we saw Dunge go over to the Yamaha pit and hash it out with Chad. Mm-hmm. So there is a chance that the hatchet had been buried, and all Chad was trying to do is like, hey, here's my chance to podium or win. But you never know. No, I, It is yeah. Chad Reed. Yeah, it is Chad Reed. Anderson told... I heard from reliable sources that Anderson told Chad, sorry, bro, I had to take you down. Like, you couldn't get close to Dunge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, dude, I mean, that's obvious, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, there's a chance Chad's just going to try to pass Dunge and be like, hey, I'm just trying to win a race. Right. Or maybe not. So, yeah, Anderson, <laughs> who, who is very good at playing that game. Bro, I, I consider that like, uh, I was like the goalie. Like, Anderson yeah. was the goalie. Right, right. Guy. Right, yeah, 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 good I point. have yeah. to stop this puck. If if Chad gets away from me and gets one-on-one with Dunge, he will score. <laughs> I cannot let this get through the net. So, so, so that's attempt number two. We had attempt number two on Tomac on Dunge, and then he go, he gets one more in there on the last lap, and, yep. you know, run, and then somehow Anderson gets him and wins the race, and and, and – Anderson's only win all year. No, he he won Detroit, I think, earlier. Yeah, but, but when Dunge got penalized, but no, it was uh, the only win for Anderson that year. No, I think he won that Detroit one. No, that was the year before. Was it year before? Oh, okay. Yeah, because uh, Jenny Taft does mention here that Anderson's like, I haven't won a race this year, and I I really want it. Right. So, uh, so yeah. what I was getting at is though, dude, 
how scared do you think Dunge is in these final laps? Once he gets hit the second time by Tomac, he surely has to know what Tomac's doing. So he's like, he's going slow, so I cannot get away from these guys behind me. He's too slow, and I cannot pass him either because he'll hit me. Okay, oh, my God. But I, I guess this is impossible to know, but if you're Dunge and you know it's Anderson, Baggett before Baggett crashes, Marv before Marv crashes, if you know that... Um, are you maybe comforted by that a little bit? Like, I know these guys aren't going to pass me, and I, 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 you know, like even, even like you said, sixth, even doing the the math, uh, you know, I don't know. To me, I think it's too weird of a situation and too much on the line well, and too nerve wracking to be able to. That's like the, that's like the fifth thing you'd have to calculate in your mind as it's happening. Uh, and I don't think you can get to that level of comfort. I think at that point you're like, I got this guy in front of me, and mm-hmm. I don't know what he's capable of, and I got these dudes behind me, and I can't let them pass me, and oh, my, well, God. oh uh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. It jacked with Ryan Dungey so much, he quit. He never raced again. He never <laughs> so, so. That's right. This I mean, is his last race. Right. This is his last race ever. So it literally, you know, affected yeah. him. But as, the, as Osborne told us, he had a big one. The week coming in. Too. So, yes, dude, too. I mean, you look at all the things. He'd come back from his neck injury, right? He hurt his neck in, in outdoors. Yeah. And he, yep. he talked about how serious that was. Then the, the, the week of his, well, his next biggest, one of the biggest race of his life, he has a bike issue. And Osborne said how dirty that was. And I think, and then, and then you go through this main event and the nerves, like you said, and Dunge is like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Hey, I think the Roxon crash, this is the same season of that unbelievable Roxon crash at Anaheim. I mean, it feels from from that Roxon crash to this race feels like five years. Yeah, right? really, right? Totally. Yeah. Um, because Roxon is so not part of the storyline. It doesn't even seem like it was the same year that he was. But I think that Roxon crash jacked Dungy up, too. I think. You think? Yeah. Think. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you look Dungy at- was not nearly as good in 2017 as he was in 15 uh, and 16, you, and I think it's all of these reasons. You take why. away, you give Marv the win at East Rutherford, and Dunge just goes four. This is going backwards from his races. Four, two, two, four, two, three, three, four. You know, like that. That's the last half of the year. Yeah, yeah. and in 2016, um, Dunge was the best guy, hands down. Yeah, straight up. Yep. Um, um, so, so yeah, he's not the same, and I think it's all those things adding up so Cowie's furious after the Osborne thing after this you know oh, after, yeah. they're they're furious the Tomac's furious he said at some point you know like uh in the pre in the pre-race press conference before Vegas so I'm like I'm not I don't need my teammate to give me a win or something like oh yeah tensions are high fix a race point. I know he said fix a, fix a race that's it yeah fix yeah. a race um yep uh do you remember though like Either right before this race or right after this race, it was pretty much out that Dunge was was bailing on outdoors. I don't know if yeah, it was before I, or after, but yeah. Yes, I think for some reason we knew yes. that uh, uh, he probably wasn't racing after this. Yep, yep. Or yep. wasn't doing outdoors anyways. Who knows about the? I don't know if I remember thinking it was re- re- retire time, but not racing outdoors. So, oh, you thought maybe he was just taking a break? Well, who knows? Yeah, whatever. I, didn't, oh, okay. I, I remember not thinking that far down the line, but like being like, yeah. oh, he's out for the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I For some reason, I don't know how, but that definitely that vibe, that had leaked out. Right. Um, he didn't really officially yep. announce that it. it was like a press conference like 10 days later. Yeah, yeah. But that was definitely in the air. Uh, but crazy. And then, uh, so that so Jason Anderson ends up winning, um, <laughs> you know, easiest $100,000 Anderson's ever made, right? Like with... Josh Grant, third. Tomac, second. So, uh, yeah, crazy. 
Yeah, podium podiums for uh, yeah, what for was, JG. What was Cowie's problem? They took two out of three spots on the podium. Gee whiz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember even when, uh, showing my wife this race, and even she's not a huge fan by any means, but she thought it was amazing and awesome. Yeah, and uh, but we did laugh hilariously. Like Anderson does, like fist pump a little bit going across the line, like. Like, hilar- it's like the least deserved win ever. Right, right. And even he knows, like, it's only because these dudes were just jacking yeah. up. But it's like, hey, you cross the finish line in Supercross race. You got to do something. Yeah, and how about Dunge pointing at Tomac after the finish? Like, uh, like I don't know what – I'd love to be a fly on the wall there. But Dunge is probably like, you know, whatever, screw you, F you, or you know, who knows. But uh, darn you. Well, hey, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah uh, Dunge did say in his interview after the race, he said that they were taking cheap shots at me. Yep. Um, not only are the Cowie guys – were they mad then? And I believe, to a degree, I believe they're still mad to this day over the stuff that went down at this race, both Osborne and then the New Jersey race at Marv. Do you agree? Do you think they're? I think they're still mad. Yeah, I think they're mad that and KTM has gas gas now. You know what I mean? They're also mad at that. Yeah, absolutely. As I said to some Cowie VIPs one time, go support another team. It's very easy. You give go give go give a three man team factory stuff, and have more yep. bikes on the track. It's it's yep. boom. There you go. Yep, yep. There's nothing illegal about having more support for more teams. Right. Uh, so not only is Cowie still mad over this, but this race is still new enough where if you look at the world of, you know, the real gnarly area of, of fan commentary, like YouTube comments, yep. Facebook comments, there are still hints of this race out there. Like there are still people to this day that, you know, what, what does KTM first always get accused of? Roger DeCoster is the guy thinking, go in and get the whoops cut down to right. help Marvin yeah. Cooper. He did it for RC back in the Suzuki days, right? He, it, that the thing fuel is thing, always there. The fuel thing, too. Yep. The, yes, the fuel thing. So that Roger gets rules changed to benefit him that no one else can. True or not true is 100% a narrative that everyone believes, right? Yes. Then there's this thing uh, where KTM bends rules. They don't get penalized for it. And you still see that mentioned to this day. On the same token, though, I do occasionally hear when it gets brought up, people be like, What's Eli complaining about? He was the one that was slowing down and trying to knock Dungey down. But I believe Tomac does not do any of this if the New Jersey thing doesn't happen first. What do you think? I agree. They were very yeah. mad about that. Yeah, very, very they were very mad. But Bob Hanna did it to Bailey. Uh, Bob Hanna did it to help Brock Glover. Um, uh, I've, I can't tell you how many cycle news I've read that, that have talked about oh. title stuff where teammates help the team, the team guy. Guy Cooper. Guy, yeah. uh, Larocco and Larry Ward couldn't have moved over anymore in 1990. Oh, God, right? Guy Cooper and Team Suzuki. Yeah, it's just yeah, just standard yeah. stuff. I uh, yeah, but anyway, I don't. Yeah. I I agree. Eli with you. Is I agree. Not with being you. hypocritical because he is saying if they didn't jack with me first by fixing a race, I wouldn't have jacked with them second. It's not fair to call Eli a hypocrite. Well, like, well, you're mad at KTM for moving over, but then you do this. Yeah. He wouldn't have done that. I, yep. I think it was like, now the gloves are off. And by the way, he still did not take the last step of taking him out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, if he had taken him down, like I said at the beginning, uh, God knows what, we, what kind of mess we'd be into. I mean, Ward, Ward's title in 85 went to the courts. You know what I mean? Like Yamaha took it to the courts, <laughs> you know, at some point. That's where, that's where this would have been? I don't know. Yeah. Who yeah. knows? God, right? Um. So, uh the nuttiest hour in Supercross. <laughs> it is. I, I mean, gosh, this yeah. is all the guys that are involved in, in this story. It's yeah. unbelievable. Chad Reed and Anderson and <laughs> yeah. 
Unbelievable. Jordan, Jordan Smith and AC almost yeah. wins the title. Hi, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yes. It was an absolutely nutty night. I don't remember the rain that Osborne mentioned. I don't remember that. I don't remember it raining. I was in the pits getting autographs or getting autographs, getting on, interviews. Is that what you're yeah, I was getting autographs. Yeah, uh, I was in the yeah, pits getting interviews, either. but yeah, I don't, I don't remember the rain. Yeah, um, but really, I mean, it comes down to blaming the spotter. I think for everything on this on this night. The spotter has a voice that's so good he gets paid <laughs> to announce. That's how effective. And he used it, and it's, he pitched it, and he sold it, and he talked about uh, Osborne lap times, and he talked about the you, Tomac lap times, and the message was not received. You know, a few weeks after this race, Jeff Emig went on DMXS Radio, I believe. Original and still best. Thank you. And I don't, I didn't hear it, but I heard people who listened, and he said, you know, the the, the Dungeons was amazing. Dungeons ride was great. It was amazing. I, he still wasn't quite aware of what was going on he didn't doesn't read anything about the press conferences i I don't know i don't jeff was doing his own thing back then but uh he was from what i hear he was still insistent on sticking with it sticking with it um yeah not just dunge making a charge but he he kept mentioning this competition tonight these other guys these guys have really stepped up and i'm just like it 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 shouldn't get me that mad except the reason it does is because a i think it's an interesting fun this is like any other sport, right? There's a strategy. The, the coach had a defensive game plan. There was a game plan that makes it interesting and gives the story depth that they weren't relaying. A, and B, it means Tomac isn't getting credit for, like, it looks yeah. like Tomac gets the lead and then chokes. Yeah. Which he did not do. And amazing. And again, I was sitting there. It was obvious what was going on. It was very obvious. Yeah. She saw, yeah. Yeah. And I guess um, yep. some people said, hey, look, that's, you know, if you think about, this is maybe thinking too deep into it, but maybe this is where it comes from. They're like, remember, Tomax come from a cycling background. This is what you do. You know, you, you do do things to affect the pace and you have Pelotons and you have teammates and you work together um, in the pack. Um, it's not that crazy of a theory that they would have right. come up with that. But I have to say, for Supercross Motocross to have been around 50 some years and... I don't. I don't remember anyone ever doing this. No, um, no, nope. before. Uh, uh, Porcel tried it. Um, Dungeon Porcel in '09, Steel City. Um, I think Porcel tried it, but in that case, they just were so much faster. He couldn't slow them down enough for anyone to get to them. Yeah, yeah good point. Yeah. Uh, Liet, re-raceable. Time for the categories. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Maxis. Thanks to Blenzel, of course. Thanks to you people for listening. It's a brand new show, so subscribe and tell some friends and give us a review. While you're at it, the, the, the Apple thing works on reviews as well. So um, please give us a review if you can. Make sure you say weed sucks and I'm great. Um, so the re-raceables category, uh, who really won the, won the race? Um, I mean, we uh, like, again, like our last one, it's it's not always the winner. Jeff Stanton was the last one we put out was Atlanta 89. And Stanton was the winner from that one and was the real winner. That doesn't always work out. But uh I'm going to have to go with Osborne being the real winner at this one. And he got seventh. <laughs> oh, so, good point. I'm like, we are going to pick the winner. You're right. He's not the winner. Yeah. He only got seventh. No, no. I, I know. I was just trying to explain what it, what it means. So I was, I'll go yes. Osborne. Um, and in, in the four fifth, I, you know what? I'll go Osborne either way. Yeah. Cause Tomac, he didn't win anything. He didn't get the job done. Uh, Dunge won the title, but I don't know. I'll go Osborne. You? Oh, hundred percent. You, yeah. you, if you make a last last pass for a championship, uh, you're the winner. Right. Um, the Who's That Guy Award. Now, this is obviously 2017, so you know we 
know pretty much all these guys. But the most random guy probably making the main event uh, this year, I might go Dakota Alex in the shootout. Dakota Alex? in the I mean, yeah. he crashes out in the first turn. But, I mean, it's these shootouts are stacked. Cole Martinez, maybe? Yeah, dude, I even went all the way through to the 250 uh, LCQ yep. to try to find random names. Um, Johnny Gelderda, I mean, I remember his name. It's like yep. a guy that was in battling for mains. Uh, he got 16th in the LCQ. That's maybe the only guy that I would not recognize if I saw him uh, walking to the pits. Um, um, A-Ray makes the main 314. He gets 16th, wow. which is pretty good, which is a good finish for him. Um, but That's one of his best ever, isn't it? I know, right? Literally, and this is when his, this was his full-in ride at Cycle Trader, I believe. Lane Staley gets 11th in the 450 LCQ. Now, isn't that the name of a yeah. drummer in a rock band No, a deceased singer for Alice in Chains. Okay, so there we go. That's what I'm going with. Okay, you can go to 11th in the LCQ, I guess, if you 11th want. 11th in the LCQ, oh. Lane Staley, Battle of the Lanes. He beats Lane Shaw. Lane right. Shaw racing the 450 class. Oh, wow. Who knew? Who, who um, knew? The Lit Kid Award? Uh, I'll go Donge. I really like that orange and blue Fox stuff on the KTM. I thought it looked pretty pretty smart. I did like Chad stuff, Blue Crew. Shout out to Blue Crew. Uh, but I think I'll go I think I'll go Donge with this Fox getup. I actually liked all of the... Uh, Monster Pro Circuit Kawasaki guys look, which yeah. uh, Osborne noticed mm-hmm. since there were like six of them on the track and he yeah. couldn't tell which one was which. Yep. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to that one. Okay. Yep. All right, that'll work. Uh, another category: the Leah Reraceables. Where's JT? Well, he's right next to you. <laughs> yeah, he's hanging out with us in the press box as usual. Right. And jaw absolutely dropped. Right. Yeah. Uh, final category: the Jacob Barsack Award, which is for the award, which is the guy that. Did really, really well that you don't remember or you nobody gives any credit to. And I will go, uh, since, this, since there's no Kyle Cunningham at this race, shout out to Kyle Cunningham's Vegas excellence always. Uh, true. I will take uh, Freckle getting fourth. Or what did he get, fifth? Fifth. Fifth. I'll take Freckle getting fifth in the shootout and Jimmy D for winning the heat. Uh, but I'll go main event finish and give it to Freckle for beating uh, Osborne and McElrath and Joey Savacci and Jordan Smith and Chiz and Marty. You know, all these guys that generally would beat Freckle at this point. Uh, getting fifth in a shootout is pretty good. Yeah, uh, so I will flip the other way. Jimmy D winning the heat over. I'm looking at the results here. Austin Forkner, Martin Davalos, Shane McElrath, Justin Hill, Aaron Plessinger. I had nothing for Jimmy D. Nothing for Jimmy D. Blessinger yeah. Hill, McElrath, Davalos, Forkner. That is like a murderer's row of race wins in the 250 class. Yeah. Jimmy D taking the heat race win yep. against against those guys. And uh, I think what we've seen, I mean, Jimmy D has some podiums. I think Jimmy D is not racing anymore. Better than you think, I think, is what we're seeing um, right. results-wise. Uh, and also, again, Dan Reardon, what was his deal? He was back in the U.S.? He, <laughs> he was, was back, racing. yeah. He was back in the U.S. Uh, yeah. What team? He was on a Yamaha. Like, what team was this? This, I was, have no... this was Star. Dan Reardon was on Star? Yeah, he has the same sponsors as Mitchell Harrison and uh, Aaron Plessinger and Dylan Ferrandez. Same sponsors. This is many, many years after Dan Reardon is the new Chad Reed. Yep. Geico Never Honda brings, brings him over. Yep. 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 Paid him big money, I think. Also made Chad mad. Imagine that. No, Chad's not giving any credit. No, no way. No, no, he was no. Does, do you think he gives? Uh, do you think he gives uh, Jet the Jet any credit? Seems like it's happening. Seems okay. like it's happening. Okay. Yeah, I think so. He's uh, finally maybe finally yep. giving in. <laughs> 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Chad was always threatened for a long time. Like, if, if these guys are not at my level, which, to be honest, was Dan Reardon at Chad's level? No, though? no, never. Yeah, never. Uh, I don't remember Dan Reardon being back as recently as 2017. Right. Good for him. What did he get? So 13th. Is 13th. that your Jacob yeah. Marsak Award winner? No, I got to give it to Dakota. Oh, okay. All right. Game. Okay. All right. You yep. kind of confused me. You bring him back around. Um, I, I just feel like I have <laughs> to give the Reardon thing a mention. I do not remember him being yeah. back. In the no, it's fair enough. Yep. Uh, all right, Lee at Reraceables. Uh, Maxis blends all on board with us. What a nutty night! Watching it again, I got I got excited again for Osborne. I think I was texting you guys, like yeah. I just can't believe, like I just can't believe what just happened again. I was telling my wife that she's like, "What? What's, what are you doing?" I'm like, "I just can't believe this race." Uh, and yes. then I started yelling at Fro, and she got mad at me for that because she loves Fro. So oh. I was like, "Come on, Fro!" And she's like, "What?" And she started just defending Fro. Without even knowing what was going on, so yeah, yeah, yeah it was. I, I don't quite understand it. But, you know, I had gone back and watched that New Jersey one just recently. My son happened to stumble upon it on YouTube. Oh, okay, yeah. And they do not at all insinuate that Marv moved over. <laughs> wow, rough couple of weeks. No, rough couple not. of weeks for the guys. Now they do real quick. They do bring it up very briefly, lightly in this main event. Um, you know, maybe yeah. Tomac's mad. We don't know if Mar moved over or not last week. So I'm like, okay, at least they went there. But the week before, they must have been so scared. Yeah. Um, yeah. They don't mention it. The interviews, they interview Dungeon Marv. They do not ask them anything about it. Um, tense times. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny, though. Like, you know, I'm so jaded in the sport. I've been in, doing it for so long. And, and 2017 – you know, still fresh in the memory a little bit, but watching these two races, I was like, damn, this is good. This is really oh, exciting, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. And what I'm saying here is if if there's a chance that the TV crew is trying to be light on this because it's like this is not presenting our heroes in the best light, moving over or trying to bunch up the field or whatever, I would say, no, that is the depth. That is the interesting stuff that makes sports what they are. Like that is the stuff that makes the – the regular sports world go on fire on Monday. Yeah. Yep. You, know, you have to let them play the game the way they play and then let the fans and nowadays the pundits mm-hmm. go crazy on it. That's what makes sports popular. It doesn't – I don't it's, believe it's a, anyone would be like, I will. I refuse to watch Supercross now that I've been made aware that this KTM guy moved over for the other. No, you're right. You're totally right. Um and, and, and yeah, it, it's, what, it's what we live for now. It's why it's a soap opera. It's why people love it. Absolutely. No, you're, you're Yeah, totally, yeah. The yeah. drama, like, that's more interesting than anything else in these sports. Like, yep. that's what Stephen A. Smith gets paid $5 million a year. Yep. No, to, absolutely. To dig into. I agree. Now, I do have to ask you. Yep. Being the Stephen A. Smith of this sport, oh, I don't know if you know that. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't agree with that. Oh, oh really? Okay. No, I don't. Hot takes. Um, in our post-race podcast from this race in 2017, you said Tomac should not have done the bunching. No. Proof being, it didn't work. Yeah, no, no, I, I, yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't like it because if he knocks down, if he knocks him down, as we said, what happens then? Oh yeah, right. Like, like yeah. we then we have a massive problem because I don't think everybody just goes, "Well, great yeah. work, Eli." Here's the title. Like that, that, that shit goes completely sideways, and I believe that Dunge would keep the title in that case because Eli would get penalized. I just, you know what? Go out and win the race and make your statement there. All right, That's you're that. sticking with this. Yeah, yeah, sticking with it. Don't d- didn't like it then. Um, you know, it was neat. It was cool to see. It was you know it was different and all that. But nah, if I'm Eli Tomac, I just go and win this damn race. 
I'm saying it at 1% chance of winning. Yep. And he got within 1% of that 1%. It was virtually impossible. And he came. <laughs> I don't know if he damn. came that close. I don't know if he came. Because we, we had, we look, Dunge had to get sixth. Anderson was never going to pass Ryan Dungey. You know what I mean? Uh, okay. So, and then Chad, like, so it's if Chad gets him and JG gets him and Tomac gets him, he's still got it. He's probably got 30 seconds on the next guy, right? Like, I, I don't think it was that close. It, it was. It did work better than I would imagine it would, though. Yes, I will give you that. But I don't. You know, I don't think it came that close. As Tomac on the last lap is holding him up in a corner, and guys are passing them both. I'm like, <laughs> that's the way he scripted it, and the fact that he got it down to the yeah. final lap of yeah. the season yeah. and got that plan to right. actually come to fruition. And I guess it all comes down to uh, when you're apparently ten percent faster. <laughs> And you could just stop and slow down and then catch right back up immediately. Um, what well, the hell? How are you able to do that? And, and take take heed, every all the like, Tomac fans. He did tie the record for most wins uh, without winning a title. Yeah. So you know he's in that record book that way. So, um, but yeah, yeah no, I don't like I don't like the move. Record. I don't like it just because okay. I don't think it would have worked because I don't think they would have awarded him the title. Shit would have went completely sideways. You know what I mean? But. Maybe I'm wrong, and um, you know, whatever. I just win the and, race. And I know you're saying the odds of. By the way, behind Baggett, there was also Millsaps. Also, yes, yes. Also KTM rider. Yeah, KTM. exactly. Right. So it was just looking impossible. I guess. Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, well, fun yeah. race to do. Fun race to look back. Uh, thanks to Zach Osborne, of course, for coming on. Uh, yep. Great, great to get a hold of Zacho uh, and give us his thoughts. And seventy five hundred dollars, he'll pay that uh, all day long. Absolutely. So oh, yeah. Um, all right, thanks to Liet, Blenzol, Maxis, and most of all, thanks to you people, and thanks, Weege. Oh, yeah, good times. See ya. See ya.